0: You cut vegetables like a bitch. What happens when you get stabbed in the asshole? Herbs, because fuck it. You can't sow an asshole. It's
1: The Bear, season one.
0: Welcome to The Center Cut. I'm hungry. And I am Chef Michael. Michael, I just want to eat. I just want to eat all the food. It looks so good. All the food. They ate so much food. I love food, but I hate putting in the effort. Heard, Chef. Word, Chef. No, heard. Heard, Chef. (laughs) David,
1: we are here today because we watched only the first episode and only the last episode of Season 1 of The Bear. We're going to recap the two episodes we did watch, and then we have some questions about the middle to help us guess about what happened. David, I don't want to spoil my center counts rating later on, but can I just say that I really like the show like a lot? Oh, I do too. And although I've never worked in... Food service, food service.
0: Neither have I.
1: I was still able to connect with some of it from my meat cutting days. Classic meat cutting days. Now that I work in a more quote unquote professional business setting, it's just a whole different world. But you really can't beat the family aspect of working in that food preparation setting. You can't beat the meat. Yeah, you can't beat the meat. I I mean, the good and the bad of the family. Like you go through it with these people, and most days you would literally cheer if they slipped and fell on a knife. But then you remember your in the shit with them and there's just this unspoken camaraderie you don't get that in a professional setting
0: is there that level of like camaraderie of dudes who cut meat yeah
1: well again because you're going through this cutting meat for dickheads and the days suck and you're just in this little room together and you hate each other but you also like
0: we're kind of family like us we're in this small little podcast room I hate you but (laughs) you know understand that it's a necessity for us to do this and that i mean it's fine yeah sometimes you just need to swear at people to connect we hate you together yeah so fuck off david but let's get into it a word heard heard chef Got it. Well, The Bear is FX show that is also on Hulu. It premiered back in June of this year, so just uh, pretty recently here at the beginning of the summer. It was created by Christopher Storer and stars Jeremy Allen White as Cameron Berzado. I mean, there's a bunch of other people, but he's really the main character. Jeremy is actually returning to us from a very short stint we had watching Shameless for, I think, another podcast we were on. I can't even remember, honestly.
1: We did. I don't remember the name of the show because they hated us and now the show doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, we they had us watch the beginning and end of just the
0: premiere episode. But Jeremy Allen White was on there, too. He was. The Bear is rocking a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100. 100%. And honestly, as we've already said, it shows. It's, it's a good show. It does only have eight episodes, and seven of them are 25 minutes, so there are some movies that are longer than this piece of media, but it's good. Sure is. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. So the first
1: episode, the premiere, was titled System. We open on a dream bridge, and our main character, Carmi, is opening a cage with a bear in it and doing the universal, whoa there, fella, hand motion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The bear growls, and Carmi wakes up on the counter in his newly minted restaurant, The Original Beef of Chicagoland. The clock reads 6.05, one of our many clock shots. First of all, what is the bear? Is it a metaphor for tackling any hard thing? Is it his dead brother? Is it the weight of family obligation? Is it an actual bear? Actual bear. He fought an actual bear, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll figure it out eventually.
0: Maybe he only cooks bear. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: The meat delivery is here, though. He ordered 200 pounds, but only gets 25, and it's top round. Yuck. David, get ready. My past meat man is going to shine today. I think
0: this is the first of many of these little asides.
1: Not only is top round like near bottom barrel, but it's also one of the bigger pain in the ass things to cut. It really tests your wrist power. I hate top rounds. i just, I'm not a fan of top rounds.
0: I have infinite amounts of wrist power, so. <laughs> now, we
1: find out in a mini montage while Carmi's on the phone that he has taken over this restaurant because his brother Michael recently passed, and it doesn't seem like his brother was good with the business side of owning a shop because there are bills, bills, bills. No, 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 it's not time for an ad. I just had to play the sound drop. We cut to Carmi going to unplug one of those arcade games that cool family-owned pizza joints have called Ball Breaker, but instead he ends up emptying out the coins and it sparks an idea for later. I want to play this game, man. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. He slowly over-trims the fat on the top round and then just runs out of the restaurant. The show is just so hectic. It's just, <laughs> Every scene that takes place in the beef is just like, bam, nope, now over here, yelling, okay, new shot. It definitely encapsulates that. Hectic type of environment Yeah it's really intense As Carmi's just back Cutting carrots We get our first scene Of him calling everybody Chef But Tina Another cook Thinks he says Jeff <laughs> And she continues Thinking he says Jeff And just calls everyone Jeff The whole rest yeah, of the Yeah I mean
0: presumably like someone corrected her at some point but she's just like sticking with it because it's funny to her now which it is pretty hilarious when she's just calling everyone jeff which is fantastic yeah
1: now it's just like long form montage at this point we got a bunch of shots of old photographs presumably of carmy and his family from the past interspersed but we learned that Basically, Carmi keeps his jeans in an oven at home. He's always at the beef, so who needs an oven or other pants? I get it. He trades the jeans and the ball breaker spoils for some back alley, likely stolen or scammed top
0: rounds. He's selling high quality, I think I from what I could tell, like high quality jeans. Like he collected denim products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he just has denim on denim. Closet's full of it. It's in the oven. It's, in, it's everywhere. Is this a thing? Yes. Do people like collect and trade denim like this?
1: Yeah. Old Levi's, usually with the rivets which is referenced, are worth a yeah. lot of money for whatever reason. Very odd. So just a, a meat note. The scene. So we call the bagged whole pieces of uncut beef. We call them primals in the meat world. And a lot of times, the first of the month, when food stamps and EBT come in... Social security pays. You'd get all kinds of lowlifes and junkies...
0: Or people who needed... Or, no, or let me... Or no, needed no, those products for... No, no, <laughs> To survive.
1: Let me, no, no. Once you hear the story, you'll understand. It's lowlifes and junkies that I'm talking about here. They would use all of the money on ribeye primals which then they would then go pawn off to local restaurants and bars where the owners of those bars and restaurants would give them cash but half price like they'd give them like 80 to 100 dollars for this piece of meat. So it's a win for the food establishment owner. They get half price meat. It's a win for the druggie. They get free cash from big government. They're just getting like $80 to $100 of cash that they can spend on drugs. It's a win for the store because we're selling a high ticket item. And it's just a big fat L for Democrats everywhere who think that handouts are the answer. Because unfortunately, a lot of them are abused like this.
0: I've never lived in a place where the meat market is so intense like that. What do you mean intense? That's intense. Like restaurants having to buy back alley druggie meat yeah. <laughs> instead of just buying meat the real way. Yeah. I mean, I know that owning a small business, especially restaurants, is extremely difficult. But yeah, that that's just crazy. So like back alley jean meat trades kind of happen. Yeah. So it
1: definitely legitimized it. But Carmi has the meats. He tweets that there's going to be a one day only ball breaker tournament trying to rustle up some customers. And he calls Sugar, his sister, played by Chris Elliott's daughter, Abby, to bring him a jacket that he needs to give the back alley meat salesman to finish off the deal.
0: Weird. <laughs> Why is your sister nicknamed Sugar? I hate that.
1: Well, the three kids are Sugar, but are both of the brothers, are Carmi
0: and Michael called Bear because of their last name? I don't know if she calls them both Bear. That's right. Because we that's the only time we hear someone calling him Bear is her. Right. Right. But then Michael is also referenced as Bear as well. So I think it's just because of their last name. They're both called It's Bear. because of their last name. Why is she Sugar?
1: Because they're Bear. She's Sugar Bear. The family's a big fan of Golden Crisp cereal.
0: Okay. Maybe. Good point. Good point.
1: We next meet Sydney, the new sous chef that Carmi brought in. It's her first day. And just like Carmi, she's young and way too polished to be at this seedy little dump. But family also called her because the beef was her dad's favorite place. We now start to meet the rest of the crew. There's Ibrahim, he doesn't like the system getting fucked with. Tina, again, mad that Carmi's using her pot. Still calling him Jeff. Marcus is the doughboy; He really needs a new mixer. Carmi promises him he'll get one eventually. And then we meet Gary. He's kind of a mystery man. Who really knows what Gary does? I don't Gary. know what Gary does. <laughs> I like Gary a lot. <laughs> Tina gives Sydney some rookie shit. And then good old Richie finally rolls in next.
0: He's probably my favorite character. The first time I watched this, I was like, Michael's going to love this guy (laughs) because he's a dick.
1: Yeah. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. He was the actor dude who hooked up with Marnie for a little bit in Girls, but he was Michael's business partner and calls Carmi cousin and kind of thinks he runs the place. Yep. He's a dick. Carmi and him get into a little heated discussion in the cooler because he feels threatened since Carmi's coming in and changing a bunch of shit.
0: And Carmi knows what the fuck he's doing.
1: But here's the thing, though. I think they're both right. Like, there's they're yeah. a happy medium. There's a happy medium. Like, things needed to change. Correct. 100%. Yes. But you can't come in as a new boss day one just changing shit up. You got to ease in. Like, you can't just raw dog it like that.
0: Well, also, that might be something that you can do at like a really high level establishment where people are coming for an experience, not for like really good local home cooked stuff. So I think that there definitely is uh, uh, an aspect of like Carmi knows what he's doing because he's worked in a lot of high level restaurants, but Richie knows what he's doing because. Carmie's never worked in a low level, like local restaurant like this. Yeah. So it, it is, a, it's kind of a, a battle of the weird Italian Titans. <laughs> battle
1: of the weird Italian Titans. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that's so funny. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but their argument spills out to the main cooking area with everyone, and I just, I love all the hectic yell talking. These are my people. You just, you get yeah. a bunch of Italian dudes, black dudes, and a Hispanic woman in a room having to prepare food for a bunch of dickheads. It's just a loud pressure cooker of shit-talking, shouting, and tempers. These are my people.
0: Yeah, a bunch of loud Italian people that talk about meat all day. It, I'd imagine that you would just thrive in this environment.
1: We meet FAC next. He is a fat jack-off-of-all-trades, and he comes to fix Ball Breaker to make it cost $1 for the tourney. I like Neil a lot. We see him a few times, and it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing
0: at all. <laughs> like, no, at he's all. supposed to be like the facilities guy who's like repairing anything that breaks down and and that kind of stuff, and he's just like, has no... like. It's always like, oh, well. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty so great. great. But Sugar has arrived
1: with the jacket, and her and Carmi's relationship strained. She does mention how Uncle Jimmy wants to buy the place, and she calls him Bear. This is where this is where we see her call him Bear. Mm. While they're outside, though, Marcus finds Carmi's James Beard award tucked away in a book, which is like the award if you're a chef. He knows his shit. Yep. And when Carmi comes back in, he tells Marcus how to fix the bread, and they all taste the new Carmi-ized beef sandwich Carmi iced. but ibrahim jokes that it's white and redundant like Carmi. <laughs> but but they all they all approve <laughs> the ball breaker nerds are starting to line up outside and there's this like high school marching band version of bulls on parade that plays and it's kind of awesome fac is working on the mixer now it's a hobart and that just Brought back so many meat room memories. Many of our machines were Hobart, and they were all pieces of shit. So Hobart, if you're listening, I hope your dick gets stuck in a meat grinder. I hate you, Hobart.
0: Also, we're looking for advertisers, so give us a call.
1: (laughs) But it's time for family, which is when all of the crew just eats out in the dining room, I
0: think. It's, yeah it's just, that's like, why I, I put that together i wonder if that's like a thing that you know all, all right, rest, like uh, most restaurants do and like someone who's worked in the restaurant industry be like yeah but i'm fucking no idea i was like i was so lost for the first 15 minutes like who's got family i'm like i mean everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah most people have a family
1: <laughs> i love this scene though they they all give thanks before they eat and you just get such a great glimpse into each of their characters in a humorous way. Like, fact, talking about his two cats, Ralph. <laughs> now to a scene I don't totally love. Uh, the ball breaker crowd is getting hostile outside, and Carmi asks for help from Richie to calm them down, but Richie's like, nah, you said it's not my house. This was your idea. Deal with it. Figure it out, homie. Part I don't care about is, is this is this is just stupid. Like, nerds are unpredictable. I get it. But they wouldn't be like beating on the building and no. shoving, shouting. And
0: also, like, even if they were beating on the building and shouting and stuff, I get it. People in crowds do weird shit. But then Carmi walks out of the restaurant to try and like calm them down and they just start fucking beating him up. And it's like, what? What? No. You're here to yeah, play an arcade no. game. You're not just going to beat up the owners. No. <laughs> You're here to play an arcade game that no one's talked about in the history of the world, and now someone finally talked about it, and you're all excited? Like, maybe not ruin the one time you can actually play in a ball breaker tournament, guys and girls, folks. Yeah, so
1: while Carmi's getting physically assaulted by somebody in a carrot suit, Richie goes back on his word and comes to help in his own way. He fires off a gunshot into the air and, with a megaphone, calls out, Merry Christmas, lizards. Any of you incel, (laughs) QAnon, 4chan, Snyder Cut motherfuckers want to get out of line now? Richie, best character. God. And he ends his tirade with I hate litter. So you cucks are going to clean up after yourselves and you're going to goddamn recycle. Fuck
0: you. (laughs) (laughs) Just man after my own heart. Man after Uh, my own heart. Richie is so frustrating and so great all at the same time. It's really annoying, actually. I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it when I'm confused about how I feel about a character. Yeah. But he's so lovable. He's a lovable dick.
1: They go back inside. Richie yells at Carmy to stop messing with the system and just go make some fucking spaghetti for the dorks. <laughs> Carmi goes to do that. Marcus calls him chef, showing him respect because his bread suggestion works. And as he's starting to open a can of tomato sauce, he changes his mind and tosses it in the trash. Bro, you were so close to solving the money riddle and ending the season now in the first episode. Then this show wouldn't have had
0: them in three hours. It could have only been 25 minutes. (sighs) Should have listened to Richie. Should have listened to Richie. Should have listened to Richie. But that's the first episode. Well, episode eight, Brajol. Brajol. So we open with Carmi hosting a cooking show, oddly. Kind of gave us some cat in the hat vibes, which was unfortunate. Yeah. It's like a very 80s style. And you could tell this is like a mystical world that we are like immediately, you know, like this is real life. This is a dream sequence. Yeah. He calls it the TV show that he is hosting. He calls it the bear and he's making beef rajol. He kind of explains a few things at this point. So first and foremost, he kind of explains to the crowd that he loves this because this is something that his brother made every Sunday for his family. He tells the crowd, I have a funny story. My brother was addicted to painkillers. And then he Kurt cobained himself. We also, at this point, are confirmed that we're in like one of those nightmare dreamscape things that he's in sometimes because there's like glitching happening. Mm -hmm. But this is honestly very... Very weird, but he mentions to the crowd that, you know, his brother didn't leave him a letter or no goodbye, nothing. He was just gone. It gets kind of more glitchy as he starts to get ready for cooking and all the food disappears off the table. And he starts to kind of freak out and look around for it and like tries to figure out what to do in front of this crowd. The crowd's kind of laughing along like, oh, this is funny. Ha ha ha. And then he burns himself and he's starting to freak out. He sees a flash of of the bridge with the, the bear in the cage. And then um, he starts screaming, you know, I can't do this. As he's finishing that up, he awakens to a text. From Cicero. Uh-huh.
1: In that we get a quick shot of his brother, Michael. Yes. We saw the back of his head in the first episode, but now we see the front of
0: it. And it's John Bernthal. Yeah, he was in he's been in stuff. Been in all kinds of stuff. R. I. P. Shane. Fuck Rick Grimes. Said what I said. Okay, cool. Don't know what any of that means. So as he's uh, coming out of this nightmare, trying to calm down, he's kind of hyperventilating and trying to ease himself back. We hear what sounds like his brother. And we, I can think we kind of can confirm because uh, we hear it a few different times that it is his brother's voice mm-hmm. telling him that kind of he's better than this. Just set the place on fire and move on. You're better than this place. Then we cut to an Al-Anon meeting where Karma's speaking to a group. It's kind of a long, drawn-out thing, but we learn a few major things. His brother was a really personable kind of, he was a people person, just kind of lit up a room, and he was entertaining and funny, and people just wanted to be around him. Carmi thought that his brother, Mike, was his best friend, but realized over time that he kind of barely knew him as they grew apart. Carm essentially became the best-at-cooking To simultaneously make his brother proud, but also as kind of like a fuck you because he wouldn't let him work at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So in his effort to achieve that, he worked at all the best restaurants and... While doing so, kind of finally felt like he belonged. Uh, he felt comfortable, uh, whereas the rest of his life he never really felt comfortable. But in doing so he also kind of cut everyone in his life out because he was just so focused on the restaurant and being the best that he cut everyone out around him. And before he knew it, his brother was dead, and that was that yeah this um this is a six minute scene.
1: Of literally just close up on his face with the speech and with his like wild bedhead and just his
0: It's always like that.
1: Yeah, his heart his hair's wild. But just his like a stream of conscious heart on his sleeve just spewing of his soul. I would be shocked if Jeremy's not at least nominated for an Emmy for this episode on the back of that scene. It's really great acting. Like I Mm. I, I'm not obviously I'm not a a professional actor, but I've done like minor, like local theater type stuff. And I just I just love so many of his choices in the scene. Like I love how he played with his speed of delivery was really great. It's just his body language. It was just fucking awesome. It was just a really, really, really great scene. Yeah. The first time through watching the bear, like I liked the first episode enough. I was like, okay, this is all right. But then I got to this scene and I was like, well, gonna be watching this show when we finish recording because this this is a good show. Yeah, yeah, he cru- he crushed this scene.
0: Yeah, he is very very good, and and this scene is is very good at kind of filling us in at some of the old details, but also just like really tugging at your your emotions, and you can feel the emotion that he's going through, and 100%. it's very good. But after he's done delivering all of that, we're we're back at the beef. Things seem to be running more smoothly now, and it's kind of noticeable, the change in lighting and it's cleaner. Everything is brighter. Like, there is definitely a whole vibe change that happened from the first episode to this episode, I feel like, when it comes to just the aesthetics of the restaurant. Richie walks into the kitchen limping, and he's... Explaining to Ibrahim how he got stabbed <laughs> in the ass. I don't know what in the world would have led him to get stabbed in the ass, but here we are. Karm comes out to tell everyone that the dining room is going to be closed for dinner service tonight because Cicero is having a bachelor party. So he's just like taking over the restaurant because they owe him a bunch of money. And so that means he's going to do what he wants. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? No idea. Hopefully the guy got fucking knocked out, but I don't even know. But we cut to Sydney and Marcus, who were notably not at the restaurant and are back at one of their apartments, a house somewhere. I don't know where, but they're hanging out somewhere. She is cooking and they're just sitting kind of chatting. I like them both a lot. Especially Sydney is like some of the I noticed in in this scene in particular, some of like the ways that she delivers the information and the, the and has that conversation with Marcus just seems so natural that you have to really remind yourself that like there was a script. Like it just felt like super natural the way that she delivered all this. We do learn that something happened between Marcus and Carmi. We don't know what, but something they got in some kind of fight or something. Sydney ate a donut off the floor and her favorite dish that she's ever eaten was made by Carmi and part of the reason that she came back to work at the beef.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot here between them, but there's a minor line about Marcus's dad and Sydney's mom and how they kind of carry this trait of not being able to stop and how it went down to them like Sydney says oh like I got that from my mom or whatever and just reminded me that the show like while on the surface is about food it's not really about food at all like the show is 100% about family yeah just cue the fast and furious memes but the show is 100% about family (laughs) <laughs> it's about family. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I I really like felt in my heart is when they both were talking about how they like literally never went out to eat. So even if they went out somewhere stupid, it was like this big to do i 100 get that we got fast food on a semi-regular basis but i literally can't think of more than one time my entire childhood that my parents took me to like a sit-down restaurant which is fine like my my mom is my favorite chef fuck applebee's but when you do go it's like man this
0: is like this is big applebee's is terrible ter- ter- terrible good glad we agree there are good restaurants out there <laughs> not as good as my mom shut up okay fine your mom's the best But uh, we do come back to Karm at the restaurant. He's uh, looking over the books. He's looking through it, and there are a a number of outgoing notes in here showing huge dollar amounts, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. leaving the restaurant and going to something called KBL. Carmi calls it KBL electric is what it was labeled as in there. At this point, Tina kind of walks into the office as he's working on this, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. She doesn't know what the hell it was about either. Neither of them really know, but they do kind of have a moment talking about his brother and how much she, she loved him. But apparently the amounts that he is looking at add up to the amounts that they Oh, Cicero. Mm. Back to the restaurant later that night where the bachelor party is in full swing. You know, strippers, cocaine, keg stands, the works. It's it's ball breakers. It's all very intense. (laughs) And we see Rich and Carm who are standing outside just having a smoke and chilling, chatting. They definitely seem like they have come a long way in terms of the way that they interact together. Mm. Rich is is just angry that Mikey kind of got them into this, that they're in this situation. But he also feels terrible because he knew that that he was starting to get hooked on drugs and really didn't do much to try and stop him. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a heartfelt moment. But as it is getting kind of more emotional, a fight breaks out inside the restaurant And they go running in to break it up. This uh, brawl immediately starts to kind of get them involved instead of letting them break it up. And uh, Richie takes just a wild swing at one dude, cracks him on the face, and then he falls and cracks his head on the side of the counter and hits the floor. And everything kind of comes to a standstill. Uh Uh-oh. Carm tries to wake him up, and he's not awakening. Ooh, buddy. Rut row. Not great. Richie's in jail he's hoping that the guy wakes up. He's apparently in a coma in the ICU. He eventually finds out that the guy did awaken from his coma. So he did not die, so Richie's still going to have an aggravated assault issue to deal with, but he is not gonna go to jail for a long time for manslaughter, which is good. Yeah, now before he
1: finds out that the
0: guy survived, he gets his phone call,
1: and he calls I presume his wife. Yeah, someone named Tiff? That he. I'm guessing it's his wife. Yeah, maybe. But he literally doesn't mention anything at all about what's going on. He's like, hey, just call on to say hi and see how your day was. Masculinity aside, this is one of the good parts of your average man like we hold shit down even when we're in the middle of a storm we hold it down so you don't have to be scared for us that's not a good part no it's a good part it's i good know part. from experience because, it's not a good part no it's a good part we don't you don't need to put that all that would all that would do is make tiff worry don't you put that and on me be scared
0: well yeah but no see that that is a very masculine way of thinking correct way of thinking and if you tell that to any woman she's gonna say don't be a fucking idiot and communicate to me don't try and protect my feelings or my emotions like we're in this together and we need to communicate i'm in this jail i'm in this jail cell not you in order to be in a functioning and happy relationship no
1: I'm in this jail cell, not you. I don't need to put you in this jail cell with me. And that's all I'm telling you is going to do. It's going to put you in this cell with
0: me. Yes, it is. That is a bad old way of thinking, and I don't like it. David does not approve this message. 100% disagree. But also, if Richie went down, I was going to riot. I was also mad that a cop was such an asshole to him. It's like he owns a restaurant. There was a fight that broke out in the restaurant. He tried to break it up, and a guy got knocked out. And he keeps calling, like, a deadbeat and a dick and stuff. It's like, fucking relax, man. God man, I hate and love Richie at the same time. It's really <laughs> concerning. So Richie comes out of uh, his jail cell. Uh, Carm has been here all night waiting for him, se- slept in the, the waiting room of the, the police station. As they're leaving, have a little heartfelt moment in the car, and Richie basically tells Carm, man, you're all, you're all I got. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being there. Kinda. But then they head back to the beef, and the place is a fucking nightmare. It's just a goddamn mess. But now that everyone's a big, happy family, they are all banding together to get the place back and up and running for the next day's meal service.
1: And Gary's just sniffing them panties. Gary's sniffing that was a bra, Okay, I think. But he's sniffing something. something. Bras count as panties. Panties is the tops and the bottoms. Nope. Underwear.
0: You could consider bra and underwear. Bra panties. What are you getting on Google for bra panties? Okay, well... Panties are bottoms, a bra is a top, but you could say that if a girl is wearing underwear, she's wearing... Panty set could be the bra and the underwear. I disagree. I just air-jerked it. Okay. Michael's one of those kids that, like, hoarded the insert in the Macy's catalog that came to his house that, like, had the the women's underwear section under his bed. No, I have not jerked it to paper in 30 years. Come on. (laughs) So, Carm kind of apologizes to Marcus at this point, too. So, Marcus did come in, and he's starting to get kind of situated, and they have a little, a very short but poignant apology session there. And then a uh, delivery arrives of meat. Turns out it's pork and not beef. That's not ideal. And the nope. delivery guy's like, I don't know. Delivery like, guy. Come on, dude. Grade A asshole. Both times the guy's like, oh, take it up the motor. The guy like <laughs> I'm just a delivery guy. So he starts to kind of run around the restaurant to see if they have any spare beef left over, stuff like that. And they are just like completely out. So at this point, the music starts. It's like, okay, this was a very clear Carmi's going into chef mode, and he's like, I gotta figure out a solution. We get the shot to the clock to look at what time it is, and the music's starting up, and he's like darting around, and I was like, Yep, we know what this is. He's getting in the zone. And he's about to start cooking when he goes to start up the grill. He blows on it to get it started, at least from what what it looked like to me is that he didn't do this on purpose. But I don't know. Mm. A big blaze starts up. The whole grill's on fire and he just kind of stands there stunned. You can kind of hear just like his brother in the background, (laughs) like just burn the blaze down. I could just let this happen. Like this could be it. And the insurance
1: money comes and just back to my fancy chef life.
0: Yeah. And as he's uh, in this kind of stunned state, we do hear the rest of the crew come in and put out the fire. Richie slaps him to break him out of his uh, his little stunned state that he's in. And Carm is now in back. They got they got the fire out and everything. He's trying to get his shit together. And at this point, Richie comes in and pulls out an envelope from like behind a cabinet or a locker or something that he knew was there. He hands it to Carmi and and basically says, I couldn't bring myself to give this to you because it made it real. We learn later that is a note from his brother. So he heads out to the literally cleanest alley in all of Chicago. It was like cleaner than inside my house. Yeah. It was insane. But he heads out into the alley and he's kind of preparing himself to read the note. Before he does, he decides, I'm going to text Sydney and apologize. And he texts her and does so. They have a weird conversation back and forth, but she knows it's an apology. So then he decides to get the envelope open. It says on the front to Carmi from Mikey. He opens it, and inside is an index card. On one side, it says, I love you, dude. Let it rip, Ugh. which we learned multiple times is kind of the thing that his brother used to tell him all the time. That let it rip note wrecked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's rough. And then he, he flips the card over, and on the other side is a recipe for family meal spaghetti, and the recipe is listed as 10 cloves of garlic, basil steeped in oil, and two 28-ounce cans of San Marzano tomatoes. The smaller cans taste better. Carmi laughs at it for a moment and then back to business as usual mm-hmm. we, we do see just a very short scene i have to mention of neil and richie randomly talking and they have this like touching moment where neil is like hey i heard you got stabbed i saw that that was like super tough that was cool man good job and richie's like yeah yeah i i mean get yeah but it was like, it was just very odd, but it was like, it almost looked like Neil was going to try and kiss him for like a, minute, a second. No. We learned that Carmi's going to make the the family tonight, which is that that family meal in the restaurant before dinner starts. He grabs a few cans of tomatoes, even though you could tell he takes pause in them for a second, because we know from the first episode, he hates cans. And if they called Gordon Ramsay to come and get this restaurant back on its feet again, he would have immediately thrown all those cans away. First day. but he gets cooking starts up the garlic and the the basil and the oil and everything and then is sauteing some onion in a pan and goes to add the canned tomatoes flips it over into the pan and there is a weird thing in the middle of it that he kind of sifts through to to figure out what the hell it is and it is a wad of a bunch of hundred dollar bills here's the thing they had all those cans of tomatoes like They had a lot of cans of tomatoes. So many cans of tomatoes that no one's touched. And they haven't used them once
1: since Michael died, even before Carmi got there. like There was a period before Carmi got there
0: where Michael was dead and the restaurant was still... Do we know? Do we know I mean, that this, the restaurant was open or maybe they closed it temporarily? Maybe, but even still. They're having so many money problems that there would have been a point where Carmi would have swallowed his pride... And used the food that was fucking available to him because they don't have any money. Either that or just sell the cans of tomato on the black market. You can get like 50 cents a can, bro. Oh, my God. You can get like like
1: three food stamps a can, baby. I just, why would they have been there that whole time without being used? Tell me yeah. why. It makes no sense. Makes no, no
0: sense. Agreed. Yeah, I was very confused by that. freaking to my Backstreet Boy anger. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> the only thing I could think is like, what if only like three days elapsed over this whole season? No, 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 no 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 it felt like weeks months even it did kind of feel like weeks but also why are there so many tomatoes (laughs) (laughs) what's the deal with tomatoes (laughs) Uh, well he's Found some money. He's like, oh, shit. So then the next few scenes are just of everyone joining in to open every fucking can of tomatoes in this whole goddamn restaurant. They are just piling up stacks of cash on the floor in piles of tomato juice. I know everyone's excited about the money, like, I get it, but could we not have figured out a little bit better of a process for okay. the money removal from these tomato little cans? Rin- then, just do a little rinsey rinse and put them in a pot. Then fucking let's make a giant tomato-y mess all over the floor. They saw a scene of, like, some on the fucking ceiling. Like, <laughs> what were you doing? How are you opening that can of tomatoes and getting out the money inside? Did like Neil walk in and was like, I'll get some and just like chucked a can at the wall? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh-huh. They're all covered in tomato, which is like, you know, I don't do a ton of cooking, but I cook from time to time and I don't get covered in it. Like covered in it. I just don't get it. But they found just loads of money. Basically, all of the money that was going to KBL was in these cans of tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And as they're finishing up their money retrieval, Sydney walks in. She kind of looks at Carmi for a second. Richie's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get a can opener. Let's go. Carmi looks at her and then starts kind of like rambling off different aspects of a restaurant that kind of they find to be what they'd like like a you know a uh, limited menu at the bar and a sandwich window and booths and tables and stuff like that the city's like yeah i'm in what do we call it so we see some artsy shots of the restaurant and the crew and we do see a shot at this point of one of those cans overturned underneath a cabinet or something and on the very bottom where it's uh, printed with like the expired date and stuff like that there is uh, a print of kbl so This is what Mikey was labeling as KBL in his thing, and if Richie wasn't such a dick and gave Carby that letter when he first got there, they also would have avoided this whole situation. Why was he putting the money in cans and not just paying the vendors? That doesn't make any sense. Cute story incoming. My dad, for an anniversary present for my mom one year, bought a ring But he didn't want to just give it to her because my dad's too extra. And he needed to find something else to do other than building my motherfucking (laughs) treehouse. So what he did was he cut the bottom of a coffee can, took all the coffee out, put the ring in there, put all the coffee back in, resealed the bottom, and gave it to my mom and said, I did something stupid. Some guy at work offered me this can for $100 and said there could be something in it, so I got it. Why don't you open it? Okay, the whole thing up to that point was cool. Then my dad, like, that part is like, okay, Mm -hmm. put a little bit more effort in. Come on. It takes a lot of fucking effort to reseal an aluminum can. For him to open all of these cans, remove about a cup of tomato.
1: Yeah, that's the thing.
0: Put the money in and then reseal the thing, was he doing anything else? Just pay the vendors. Yeah. Why didn't he just pay the vendors? I don't understand. Was he hoarding money because he owed Cicero from something shitty that he did in his past? You know, like it could have been part of the drugs or it could have been partly, you know, some gambling issue, something like that. He owed Cicero, and this was his way of saving up to pay off Cicero to be done with that, and then he was going to get the restaurant back on his feet? Is that what the plan was? Perhaps. I hope we find out in season two. Maybe. But cut to Carm, who's hanging a sign in the window. The beef is closed. Thank you so much for your patronage. The bear is coming. Mm-hmm. So their new restaurant is going to be The Bear. It is going to be, I'd assume, at this very location. Cut back to everyone enjoying a nice family-style spaghetti dinner. Even Sugar's here and some dude sitting next to her, who I presume is a significant other of some sort, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. Carmi looks up from the table, happy, smiling, and looks towards the kitchen, and we get another shot of his brother turning around and smiling. And that's the end of Braju. Yeah, I would
1: be okay if all seasons of shows ended with an epic happy ending with Radiohead playing over it. It was just all regular shit they were doing, but it felt it felt cathartic, especially with Carmi and Michael exchanging smiles at the end. It's just a great show, man. Give me the rest of the season in my veins. I want to see all this shit. Here's the thing. You could play Radiohead over a dog taking a shit, and I'd be clapping like, bravo, bravo. Like It just, it just makes things sound more important. It just makes things look more important.
0: Yeah, it's true. I would agree with I don't that. Know why. What I thought was interesting about the end of this is it felt complete it did this could end here and i don't know it felt like all of their problems are now solved i'm curious on like what the drama of season two would even bring because this did feel very final
1: there's going to be a will they won't they
0: between marcus
1: and sydney and between richie and feck
0: uh yeah for sure but then it's going to go from like a drama show to like a sitcom. Here's the thing. You say drama, this is considered
1: a comedy. Like, if you pull it up on Hulu, it says the bear comedy.
0: No way. Yep. That's
1: absurd. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. in nowadays, like, there's so much blending between your... Like, every... There's no such thing as, like, a comedy or a drama anymore. Every Like, every show is a dramedy. And that's what this is. Okay. But we... <laughs> We uh, we watched the episodes. David, before we get into our questions about the middle, it's time for a center commercial.
0: I'm storing all of the money we get from it in so many cans of tomatoes, guys. Oh, my God. Today's episode is brought to you by Heart Soul Heat. Spicy. Heart Soul Heat is on a mission to change the idea of what 100% American looks and tastes like. Raul Benavides, founder and CEO of Heart Soul Heat, is the son of Mexican immigrants. His grandfather, Eleno Rodriguez Ochoa, started a candy company in Monterey, Mexico in 1940, and is a big inspiration for the brand. By the year 2045, the U.S. will be made up of a majority of black, indigenous, people of color, according to projections. This change in racial demographics is leading the change in higher spice levels in foods they eat and the demand to be represented in the brands that they purchase from. We see you. Heart Soul Heat is here to inspire you and elevate everyday meals into something really special. Even though I'm the whitest person I know, and I have a little baby tongue, this honey is right up my alley. Raul says, I am not into heat that will hurt you, but I want to open
1: up your taste buds to another level. Well, you've opened me, Raul. Using only the best 100% American ingredients, their ghost honey is made using only three simple raw ingredients. Raw honey, ghost peppers, and vinegar. No artificial sugar additives, corn syrups you can't pronounce, or other stupid additives. I am not normally a spicy guy, but the best part about this honey is that it's just the right amount of heat, without being overpowering and disturbing the other flavors. It's about a a 3.5 out of 10 on the heat scale. You can put this stuff on pizza, fruit, cheesecake, fried chicken and waffles. Hell, just squirt it in your mouth like you're filming volcano porn. This ghost honey is my new addiction, and I have, no lie, ordered my own bottle so I can put this stuff on everything. Check out hotsoulheat.com. Buy yourself a bottle or two because they have 100% satisfaction guarantee. Trust me, I read the fine print. You'd be crazy not to try this honey. And tell them Michael and Dave sent you. Well, David, now that people have wet their appetites with that sweet, sweet ghost pepper honey,
0: what should they be doing? They should be sending us pictures of themselves just covered in honey. Just covered in it. I want to see you covered in this spicy honey. At thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you could also send us a recording of your reaction to tasting this amazing, amazing sweet honey at potinbox.com slash thecentercut. Sure can. And maybe, just maybe, when my honey
1: comes in the mail, I'll take a picture of me with honey all over my face and post it to our Instagram.
0: I don't want to see it on your face, big boy. Okay. But it'll still be on the Instagram. Get excited. (laughs) Go check it out at the underscore center underscore cut. Maybe there will even be a video on TikTok. By the same moniker. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. All
1: right, David. We are here. We're cooking. Let's do it. We have questions about the middle. Can we just hurry up? I'm so hungry. Yes. Okay. First set of questions, all coming from Facebook. And the first one is from Kaliska. Oh, what the hell are they going to do with Richie? He's an amazing character, but he can be such a mess.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine that there's going to be a little bit of like exploration into his past. Maybe he's done something in his past that will come back to haunt him. But we've all obviously learned that he's capable of growth. So I think that would be an interesting storyline for them to have in in the future season.
1: They're family. So even if part of your family is a loose cannon, you don't give up on them. My dad is a downright raging lunatic, but that doesn't mean he's 100% bad. He still has good in his heart and Tries to love me and my brother in his own way. Was he the greatest father when I was a child? Absolutely not. Does he still infuriate me now when I see him sometimes? Most definitely. But unless he hurts Frank or strangles a jogger, I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And as rough as Richie is on the exterior, he's still a good dude on his core. You can tell that because he's still part of the kitchen family. If he was really that bad, they would have kicked him out of the kitchen family.
0: Agreed. Next set of questions comes from Jess A. Did a bunch of kids pass out at a birthday party? And if so, why? We get another
1: question later, and I think it helps us answer this. But I think, yes, the kids did. I think it was another thing that Carmi had at the beef to bring more money in. He had a birthday party, and Richie was annoyed at how rambunctious the kids were. So I think he spiked their Gatorade with some Ambien or something. Interesting. Side note, it reminded me of this drink I used to buy like 8 to 10 years ago. It was called Bob Marley's Mellow Mood Tea. And it was mm-hmm. like the opposite of regular tea. It had melatonin and valerian root, and you'd drink it before bed to help you sleep. I think a lot of it was probably placebo effect, but it actually did help. Ashley and I went on a kick with it for a few weeks at one point, but I think they stopped making it because it gave children headaches. Stupid kids ruined it for all of us.
0: Jerks. Man, I hope the answer to this is yes, and that Jess didn't just think this up in her mind palace because... If so, that would be wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you that I think they had a birthday party at the, at the restaurant to try and bring more money in. Where I differ is I think that it was Sydney that was in charge of cooking dinner for the kids. Richie suggested to her that to help quiet them down and make them less crazy, to so add a little liquor into the meal. And... She like adds it and then Richie comes by and adds more or something like that. And then they end up getting all these kids drunk and they eventually most of them pass out.
1: Okay. I don't hate your answer. I like my answer better, but one of one of them I think one of them
0: happened. I think one of them happened.
1: Next question from Jess. Why does Camry call everyone chef? <laughs> <Camry>. <laughs> I kept her spelling mistaken because she initially on the Facebook post called us clowns for our premise before deleting her comment.
0: Ah. Oh. Jess, how dare you?
1: Yeah. Plus, I think that should be the next Toyota model, the Toyota Carmi. It's just a Camry, but smaller, and it wins all kinds of awards, but only a bunch of poor people drive it.
0: You called us clowns and then sent us questions in? Yep. That's a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) No, whatever. I'm glad you changed your tune. Yeah. I mean, he calls everyone chef because... It's kind of like just a sign of respect to other people that are cooks, but also I think that because he loves cooking so much, like the people in his life that he loves, even if they aren't actually chefs, he might even call chef because it's just a sign of his love. Yeah. Uh, We hear this in the first episode, Jess. It's a sign of respect. Our next question from Anna M.Y., how much money did Carmi accidentally throw out when he scrapped the family spaghetti plan in the early season without seeing what was in the can?
1: I doubt this was actually answered, or else that would have made the reveal in the finale not a reveal at all. Like if they showed the yeah. can in the trash, there's just $500 in it. Or maybe there's a flashback with Michael whispering, I'm going to put $500 in each of these cans. Like, no, <laughs> that, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I think this was more likely Anna just misinterpreting what we do here and thinking we can predict the future or something. So Dave, you're an ex-banker. I will defer to you. How much money was in the cans?
0: Probably about 10000 Each can? Yeah. Okay. So if it, if it was hundreds, which it appeared to be, then yes. Okay. That's the answer then. Next question from Beth D. What happened to the Ecto Cooler? I mean, it was just a fad that didn't last. (laughs) No, I think what this is probably a reference to the high C Ecto Cooler that was used to promote Ghostbusters movie. I could imagine Richie using this as an example for why Carmi needs to stop doing these little short money-making decisions He's trying to make a, a comment about how, like, you know, the the ball breaker thing and then the, the birthday party thing. Stop doing these stupid gimmicks. Like, these aren't going to work. These are just fads that are just going to fade away over time. Like, this isn't a long-term strategy for us. We need to, to believe in the restaurant.
1: Are you kidding me? Ecto-cooler was the shit. Late 80s <laughs> kids rejoice. My childhood fridge always had a rogue open bottle of Ecto-cooler at all times. Here's my confusion, though. You mentioned... Being a promo for Ghostbusters. So yes, that's originally why it came out You know, in the 80s. Yeah. But it lasted until like 2006 or something as Ecto Cooler. When it did come back, it came back in 2016 for the, the new Ghostbusters movie at the time. Mm-hmm. But then it was discontinued again like that year in 2016. Mm -hmm. And this show definitely takes place in 2022. It showed that Michael died on the little prayer card thing in 2022. Yes. So the show then must take place in an alternate universe where Hector Cooler still exists. And frankly, I want to be a part of that universe. So that's my answer. That's what you think? Alternate universe. I'm jealous. Uh, (laughs) Ah. There's no other way because it doesn't exist
0: in real life in 2022. It just doesn't. Yes. So I think that the question is referring to a conversation that someone nope. had about ecto cooler not an
1: actual ecto cooler nope alternate universe next question
0: okay cool all right next question from paul s what about brunch what about brunch i guarantee you're not about brunch and i'm totally about brunch no i gotta eat breakfast in the
1: breakfast time and lunch in the lunch time if i eat yep, brunch that then, makes sense. Then, I, then i mess up my food schedule for the rest of the day best
0: of both worlds bitch
1: uh i can't wait to eat it though I'd have to eat something before it, and then I'm not as hungry for the brunch. And the brunch food's good. And then if I eat it, then I'm not going to be hungry for lunchtime. It just messes everything up. It's like a nap. Brunch is and like you a nap. I just have
0: a light, a light morning snack, like just a coffee to hold you over until Can't coffee in the morning until brunch time. That's what ninety nine percent of people do with coffee. Well, so. they're ninety nine percent of people are dumb.
1: Anyway, classic Michael. I think it's an idea that Sydney has to try to bring in more customers because you can make much more markup on breakfast foods because they're cheap as fuck. Like the margin on steak, not nearly as high as the margin on toast, eggs and bacon, which bacon I have previously determined to be top three most overrated foods. I'll take no questions at this time. But I think she gets shot down by Carmi because he's like, no, we need to put our focus on dinner because if we cook stupid shit in the morning, it'll make dinner worse. And We're a fancy restaurant. Fancy, fancy. And he throws a pot at her. And that's the fight that was referenced in the finale where her and marcus call him a little bitch also speaking of little bitch one time like a year ago somebody on reddit complained that we call women bitches and even reviewed us on itunes and said that we're misogynistic get a grip people of all genders races creeds and in ages call people bitches it doesn't mean i hate women or think less of them look within yourself you creep I'm glad I was finally able to get that off my chest.
0: I'm glad we're finally g- airing this
1: out. I that- mean, seriously though, listen. I can own my own shit. I'm not a perfect person, but women call men bitches. Are is every mm-hmm. woman that calls like I, I don't know? I my just, wife constantly calls get me a o- bitch. Get over yourself. Just get over yourself. You have your own problems. Don't put don't put those on me.
0: They're just worse.
1: Look within yourself. Go forth.
0: Agreed. I agree with you. Sydney tried to bring up brunch. I disagree that it was Carmi, and I think that it was Richie. He just seems like an anti-brunch guy, similar to you. Carmi was, like, thinking about it, and then Richie was like, nope. No, no, no. We don't do brunch. Brunch is for bitches. Next question from Molly
1: L.A. What celebrity did Richie and Michael meet in a Chicago bar at 6 a.m.?
0: I feel like this has to be Michael Jordan. (laughs) They talked about him in the last episode. He's the biggest Chicago boy of all time. Gotta be. Okay.
1: I don't hate it. I'm going to go with the second most famous Chicago boy of all time. None other than Chicago comedy legend, Bill Murray. I have three reasons. He is big in Chicago, number one. He's from there. Mm-hmm. Number two, he is famous for just hanging out at bars with regos at all hours of the night. I, I think there's even like a website dedicated to him doing that or something. It's, it's a thing. But number three, in one of the family meal scenes, you can actually a see a giant Hog movie Day poster, poster, poster on the back. My top three favorite movie of all time, Groundhog Day. So I'm going to lock yep. it in. It's, I think it's good old Bill Murray. I saw
0: that. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. I wonder if you noticed that. Good old Bill Murray. It's my answer. Yep, that's a good answer. One of the two. Our next question comes from Kayla W. Why is Marcus still messing with these donuts?
1: I'm biased. I have a donut tattoo on my arm. I get it. But donuts are fire. And I think he dreams of opening up a donut shop of his own. So he's messing with them because he's fitting to perfect his craft. And I also think that Sydney probably has a sweet tooth and he's trying to impress a girl. That's why dudes do like 95% of things. So he's
0: trying to impress Sydney. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. They, we can definitely feel that there's some kind of... Tension there between the two of them for sure. Romantic tension. Mm-hmm. I also completely agree that he's just like, he's trying to learn and be better. Carmi and Sydney being here and like him getting to see like what it's capable of and what it's like to like be able to do that. I think like he has, he's kind of adopted that same drive of like just wanting to be better. He enjoys it and he wants to, he wants to do it. So he's, he's trying to learn. So that's why he's still messing with the donuts. Plus, donuts are great. Yep. Next question from Barbara B.
1: Did his brother secretly visit the restaurant where Carmi was studying, realized he's an amazing cook, and that is the reason why he left the business and the money to him upon his death?
0: This is a theory. Keep your fan fiction out of here, Barbara B. (laughs) Which is my grandmother's initials. But could it have been a thing? Yeah. I don't quite believe it. I think he was saving up money to pay off his debts
1: to Cicero, but... Yeah, I, I surprisingly think no. I think the question is leading us to think that it is, but I think Barbara made it up. I think he was too busy with his own shit and never made it out there to check it out.
0: That would also basically mean that his suicide was premeditated for, like, years, which seems bonkers. Yeah, that's,
1: that's dumb. Barbara Bree, get out of here. I mean, you can stay yep. here, but, but get out of here with your fanfic. Yeah, yeah that's wrong.
0: Disagree. So our next question from, our next few questions, from Maricela DR, what's the deal with Garmian Fires? <laughs> I think
1: we get a flashback to his chef training days, and we get a scene of him watching a rival chef making, like, creme brulee or something, and the shit flames up, and the dude burns his arm off, so that kind
0: of affected him. We saw a flashback of a man burning his arm clean off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> You sure about that? Also, I think it's a metaphor for watching all of his work that he's done go up in flames.
0: Yeah, so I think like with cooking in general, fire is a big thing, right? Like you're constantly dealing with it. You're constantly, you know, trying to wield it effectively. So I think that that's part of it. But I also feel like there is this fear, especially with Carmi, of like the fire not only real fire but the like the fire he has in himself of cooking taking over his whole life and him missing the things around him so i think that it kind of works on a few different levels i don't think it's he was burned as a child or something like that i think no. it's more it's more mental than that but also he's wor- dealing with fire and burning himself constantly so it could, it is also a very physical part of his life
1: for sure next question from Maricela: why do they call each other cousin if they're not related
0: my guess is that mikey and Richie were extremely close uh, maybe even from childhood and considered each other family and just started calling each other cousin when they were young and because Carmi is the brother of Mikey then he is by relation also a cousin in this little world that Richie has developed in his mind but i also think that it's just it's just a family thing like they're just they were you know running this business together and they're close so they're cousins
1: i think it's the non food industry way of showing respect like carmi has chef richie has cousin same idea but it's just it's a thing that people do especially from euro countries like italy portugal you know the, the cool ones we all have cousins who aren't actually cousins
0: just a thing our next question here what two actions could have prevented all the restaurant's financial woes they went through in season one
1: listening to richie to just make the damn spaghetti in episode one obviously and then just letting uncle jimmy buy the restaurant and flip it into an applebee's which we learn about also in season one Maricela, you don't follow directions. We learn these things in the end, chef.
0: The two actions that could have prevented all of this were both Mikey-related. One, not killing himself. Wow. Would have prevented this. Wow, rough. Two. Wow, rough. Not using fucking tomato cans as a savings account, you dumb idiot. (laughs) That also could have prevented this whole situation. Oh, here you go. Carmi, you're gonna inherit this restaurant. And also this bank account with $700,000. Here you go. But no, instead, you get a restaurant filled with just to the brim with tomato cans, all stuffed with money. <laughs> stupid, stupid, yeah. Mikey. Don't look back at us and smile like, this is my plan all along for you to find the cans. No, dumb. Learn how to use a savings account. You begin Think about all the money you could have earned in interest on yeah. all that shit. Instead, it's sitting in tomato cans. Could have invested in tomatoes. Next question from Jessica
1: <laughs> M on Facebook. Who taste tests the smashed donut on the floor? I did confirm, though it's referenced in the finale, Jessica confirmed that it's not Sydney. Somebody else taste tested the donut.
0: There are two answers to this, two possible answers to this. Either after the fight and and Marcus storms out, Carmi is like, "But but this donut, like is it good?" and he tests it off the floor. And then Sydney comes by and tests some more off the floor. Or just Gary's eating stuff off the floor. <laughs> Gary's walking by and, like, picks up a piece off the floor and eats it. He's like, mm, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. And it just keeps moving on. Uh, I went with Marcus. <laughs> kidding, oh, yeah. Okay. No, so no, like, that wouldn't make any sense. He could have, like, still wanted to see how it was. Uh, that's actually not a terrible answer. Wow. That was my joke answer.
1: No, I, I have narrowed it down to three people, and none of which are Marcus. I think you're right. It's either Gary. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of eating shit off the floor, build your immune system. So I definitely agree that it could be him. Option two, also Carmi. He could have felt bad for destroying it and then he sneaked a lick like a sad puppy. I think the third option is Fack. He doesn't seem like he had a job before the first episode and they pay him in sandwiches. So I could 100% picture him eating some of the floor donut.
0: You think Neil Fack is just homeless and he just doesn't have any money? That's it. So he's like eat he lives donuts. in his car yeah. and then comes in and plays ball breaker and tries to fix the. Like, all the stuff around that pretends to know anything about anything, but has no idea. Yeah, and he's Florida. It's dogs, possible. So, yeah, why the fact not? That would... Man. You even just called him Fack the whole time, even though I told you his first name was Neil, because you wanted but everyone they don't, to no know No one
1: calls him Neil. They all call him "fact." He called...
0: The, Richie directly called him Neil in the last episode.
1: Okay, but every other time they call him Fack. They call him Neil
0: once, and they call him Fack ten times. No. No. No, no. No, no, no. Our next uh, set of questions are from Instagram. Joe from the Spoil Everything Pod. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Is there an actual bear at all in this show?
1: It is literally how the show opens, Joseph. Spoiling everything, true to form, I see. But
0: I guess one could technically
1: argue that there is not. That was a
0: a dream bear. I think what Joe is trying to say is Does Carmi ever. In real life, in, you know, not in his little dream world, come in contact with the actual bear. No shit, David. That's what I was going to say before you interrupted me. But well, I like semantics. to correct you before you can correct yourself. <laughs> semantics. Yes and no. <laughs> okay. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> uh no, I think it's just always in his nightmares. I don't think yep. there's an actual bear. Okay. The bear is his brother. Mm. Next mm. question
1: from Instagram is from our pal Nate Haskell. We did Leon the Professional with him. Leon.
0: That was a good that was a good movie. That was cool. Yeah. What's the best way to calm down noisy children? So I think this is a reference to the conversation that Richie has with Sydney when she's preparing the food for the child party
1: and he says liquor. Yeah, this connects to that question from earlier about the birthday party. And instead of pin the tail on the donkey, they played spike the drink with some sleeping pills. 100 percent confident. Nailed it. That's a strong thing
0: to be 100% confident in. Yeah, well. But I appreciate your resolve. Our last question comes from our real-life friend, Charlene, who asked, what did Sydney do that ended up being published in the paper? By the paper, I'm guessing Charlotte
1: means newspaper. Chicago is a big enough city to still have a physical paper versus online only.
0: And what I, What do you think? That she had a scientific study published? Possibly. And that was the paper? Her dissertation dissertation for for her master's in foodery. Yeah. No, I'm going to connect this with Marcus's
1: donut obsession. And I bet he did this because she won a famous donut eating contest in the city. So
0: that's why he's trying to (laughs) woo her with
1: the whole treat.
0: (laughs) So the whole reason that he's obsessed with donuts is because he's trying to woo Sydney, a lover of donuts. Yep. All right. Well, that's that's a storyline for sure. (laughs) Wow. That's intense. I think this is related to the child's party. I think that she ends up at the paper because she gave a bunch of liquor to a bunch of children who then passed out in the restaurant. Wouldn't she be charged with aggravated assault or manslaughter? I don't think so. I think that it was just like, a, well, this happened. Bad job, Sydney. I don't know. We're talking kids here. I feel like her punishment would be worse than
1: Richie stopping a fight and knocking out a drunk dude. Disagree. Okay, fine. Why I'm right and you're wrong. Well, those were our questions about the middle. I feel pretty good, Chef. Chef David. Jeff, David, it is time
0: for Center counts. Jeff, Michael, let's do it. I think that I'm going to give this a six out of seven. Okay. Because that's how we score them. You should know by now, listener. Pay attention. Six out of seven. It's really good. It's really good, guys. Honestly, the only reason I probably marked it down one was two small reasons. One is that I am not a giant drama person because it just... Is too much for me and I don't like it all that much. However, since this is a comedy, I guess I don't need to worry about that. (laughs) But secondly, I love and also hate how I love and also hate Richie. Mm. I don't know, like, he's such an asshole, but like, in a nice way, Mm -hmm. it's crazy to me that I could watch this entire show and this dude could hand a letter. Who are you to fucking decide when Carmi should be reading a letter from his brother? Get that shit out of here. Like, that was my first instinct was like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, what are you doing? But then at the same time, it's like, ah, it's Richie. That's Richie. That's going to be season two is not even going to be called the bear. It's going to be called that's Richie. And it's just going to be all about Richie and his escapades.
1: I hear what you're saying. But if Michael really wanted to give it to him, then fucking give it to him and don't put it behind
0: a dirty old stinky locker. He didn't put no. Okay. Richie put it back there to hide it until he was ready to give it to Carmi.
1: No, I don't buy it. Michael puts shit in weird places. Okay. He puts it in weird. I places, mean, that's true. So what if the letter was also in a can of tomatoes? That's what I'm saying. Anyway. I'm going to go six out of seven as well. I am I was very close to putting this in the rarefied air of the second thing ever to be seven out of seven, but my only thing that kept it at a six really is just the stakes. Like, we were almost there with Richie nearly killing a guy. But because it ended up just being him catching a charge and then ended with them finding all the money in the cans, it was just a little too tidy for my liking. It's a very high six out of seven. The acting was awesome. The characters are awesome. The dialogue is awesome. The direction is awesome. You feel just as stressed as the characters. Even the shots of food were cool. I 110% am going to watch the middle now that we're done recording. It's a definite gem. Chef's kiss. And I talked myself into a seven out of seven. It doesn't, here's the thing. Seven out of seven doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect to be seven out of seven. If I think of my only other show that I gave a seven out of range, this is obviously a very different show from that, but it's, yeah. but I like this just as much in diff- just a different way. So I, it's a seven. I'm done talking now. It's a seven. Well, seven out of seven. Great show.
0: That's a 13 out of 14. That's pretty, pretty high. Damn good.
1: Pretty dang good. Great shit, David. All right. We are done with the bear for a moment. What do we have coming up next?
0: Well, first, we're going to have a center chat where we decide what type of restaurants, bars, those types of establishments we would open. Mm -hmm. What we would want to own as restauranteurs. We're
1: going to have some ideas, some money-making ideas. We're going to keep all of our profits in tomato cans. Get
0: excited. Mm -hmm. We're going to have so many tomato cans. They're going to be fucking everywhere. What is after that? After that, we are going to be covering The Hunt with Damn Fine TV, having those ladies back on. They are always a treat. We've been on their show quite a few times, and they are amazing.
1: David, I can't believe it's been so many. It's been almost two full seasons since we've had the
0: bond. This is yeah, homecoming. Long, long time ago. But they're coming on, and that episode will be coming out September 28th. We're going to have Damn Fine TV on my wedding anniversary. This is great. Oh, my. That is pretty great. Yep. Jasmine and Mel's
1: are awesome, awesome, awesome. And that is going to be a fun time talking The Hunt, which is tangentially lost. We'll talk about it. Can't wait.
0: Can't wait. Oh, no, no. At least wait. it's not tangentially David Lynch. Well, we're talking to damn fine TV, so it's tangentially. I mean, there's going to be David Lynch. Don't you worry. He'll be in there for sure. But that is coming up. I have nothing else, Chef. I have nothing else either, Jeff. So... Like the space in all your tomato cans. It's always better in the center.